morning, everybody. It is Thursday, January the 7th. Still morning, about 11.15. I waited to record this edition of the We Tackle Life podcast because I thought there might be some breaking news on the COVID front with the Ohio State Buckeyes in advance of the national championship game on Monday night. The rumors started to come out Tuesday. I thought, you know what, rather than record early Wednesday morning, why don't we wait and see? Because usually these kinds of things, even though they were denied initially by Gene Smith and by Bill Hancock of the college football playoff, it often happens that there's some kernel of truth in why these things come to light. And I thought, you know, what's the point of recording something early Wednesday and then finding out Wednesday afternoon or Thursday morning that there's an issue. But now that we're about noon on Thursday, excuse me, and I apologize today for clearing my throat. It's the remnants of COVID, a stubborn cough, but I'm not contagious, certainly not by listening or watching on Facebook. Uh, I just thought, you know, um, let's go ahead and let's talk about this game and let's talk about, unfortunately, uh, a very, very horrific scene in Washington, D.C. yesterday. Not going to get that um, from a political perspective as much as from a perspective that a lot of people ask me about on my show on 98.9 The Answer in Columbus. And also just what I feel is a burden on my heart. You guys know if you're loyal listeners to the podcast that uh, when Chris and I were doing it together or now that I'm doing it solo with guests, everything that I do, I want to do it in a way that honors God and follows um, his direction. So I've been thinking a lot about what is that direction? What is the right response in the wake of a very rancorous time in our country? And I'll get into that in the faith portion of the podcast. But first, let's hit the um, sports highlights. Browns will play Sunday in Pittsburgh in the playoffs for the first time since 2002. And in a only uh, in Cleveland. We used to have this saying when I hosted a show on ESPN Cleveland. OIC, only in Cleveland. <clears throat> And that usually meant uh, only in Cleveland could you lose a game when the Ravens block a field goal attempt to win the game on the last play. Or only in Cleveland could you win a game against the Pittsburgh Steelers and celebrate on the field by throwing your helmet, Dwayne Rudd, and have the officials flag you for that, and then Pittsburgh gets to move closer to the goalposts and kicks a game-winning field goal after you already beat them. OIC. Well, OIC, even in a playoff year, Uh, rears its ugly head Uh, with Kevin Stefanski testing positive for COVID, although not having symptoms, he cannot coach Sunday night's game from Heinz Field. Now he can coach and is coaching all week on Zoom. I, for the life of me, do not understand why in the playoffs they can't make an exception for every team, not just for the Browns, but whoever it befells, and have the coach In Stefanski's case, he could drive to Pittsburgh in a car himself, not infect anybody. No stopping for Wendy's or McDonald's, Kevin Stefanski. Drive to Heinz Field, uh, you know, walk in with nobody within 100 feet of him since no fans are there. Put him in his own booth and let him coach the game. But, of course, that would be disrespectful of the looming danger that is COVID-19. And so we can't do it. And we're not going to do it. But that doesn't mean the Browns can't win this game. Uh, The Pittsburgh Steelers uh, remind me of an aging heavyweight hanging on at the end of their career. They started, what is that, 12-0? 11-0? And since then, you'd look at them, and they don't even look like an 8-8 football team. Uh, They made a nice little run at the Browns last week with Mason Rudolph at quarterback, 24-22. 
Cam Hayward didn't play. A couple of their other defenders didn't play. But I think the Browns can certainly win this game on Sunday. There's no reason why they can't win this game. And uh, it'll depend on who plays better at the quarterback position, uh, Baker Mayfield or Ben Roethlisberger. And it will depend on can the Browns stop the run. Now, the Browns should be able to stop the run because the Steelers don't run it very well. But the Browns have been gashed sometimes when you don't expect them to be gashed, most notably at home by the Las Vegas Raiders. So uh, the Browns should win this game. I I would, and I know the odds makers probably don't. In fact, I didn't even look. But I would favor the Browns to win this game. <clears throat> and um, it'll be disappointing if they don't. It'll be very disappointing if they don't. Uh, thanks for watching us on Facebook, on Periscope, on YouTube. Appreciate that. Uh, send us an email to uh, podcast at gmail.com. I, I've asked you guys, how do I go ahead and change uh, the email and still retain everybody? And somebody sent me a very helpful email last night that said that I can do a forwarding email from my old, uh, here it is, it's from Henry. Uh, thank you, Henry, for coming to my aid as I am, if you listen to this podcast very long, you know, this feels to be happy to tell you, I'm uh, technologically challenged. Henry says, I heard you talking about not knowing what you wanted to do with the email address or changing it. There are a few things you could do if you create a new one. You could also set up a forward from SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com to whatever the new one is. That way you can keep getting emails from the new and from the old. If you have questions on this stuff, let me know. Thanks, Henry. I appreciate that. Uh, really appreciate that. Really, really, really appreciate that. And I also appreciate uh, the fact that people continue to listen to the podcast. That means a lot to me. And the mission of the podcast won't change. We'll talk about the things that we care about in sports. And I'll try to give you my perspective on faith issues at the end. I'm not a pastor. Well, I guess I am a pastor. I, anybody who's a person of faith who endeavors to serve uh, God, you may not be paid to be a pastor, but you can think of yourself that way. So I don't know if I am or I'm not, but I know that I am uh, trying to be transparent in my failures and um, open with my desires and all that stuff, and hopefully it's a strengthening thing for you to continue to listen to. Uh, so I got an email in that regard. <clears throat> no, that's not the one. That's some uh, crazy, uh, you know, the, get the email from the Ethiopian prince, uh, you've won this. That's what that one was that I called up just now. <laughs> ah, so funny. Uh, here's Ryan. Email SpielmanHooleyPodcast.gmail.com. He says, sorry to hear Chris won't be on the podcast anymore. Me too, Ryan. Uh, happy for him as a person and his family for his career move. Me too, Ryan. Great opportunity for a great guy. Sanction that. He says his cousin actually had the privilege of playing alongside with Chris in the NFL. Wow, wish you'd have given me the name. Chris would like to know that. Uh, he said he often asked him about Chris, and his cousin would say that Chris was a true professional and an even better man. That's absolutely true. Ryan says... I wanted to let you know your podcast makes a difference in many people's lives. Me being one of them, I know you don't have millions of listeners on your podcast. Nope. We do have thousands, though. However, the listeners you have are loyal and moved each time you talk into the microphone. Well, I don't know. Are they moved positively or negatively? Uh, your timely insight, humor, attentiveness, and dedication are second to none. I've learned so many things about life and myself listening to the faith portion of the podcast. Awesome. That's why we do it. I have learned that no matter how many mistakes I make, that I am human and I will be forgiven. Amen, brother. It is so refreshing to hear a man talk about making mistakes and what he can do to become a better father, husband, and more importantly, a better follower of Christ. You've asked for ideas on the podcast moving forward. I would say don't change a thing. Keep up the good work, and we appreciate all that you do. Uh, thank you. And then he also notes that he's prayed for the direction of my radio show, and, um, <clears throat> and I need that. 
Thanks, because I'm really, I'm really struggling with um, what my purpose is in that show. I'm not struggling with what my purpose is in life, but I'm struggling with what my purpose is in that show. And I want it to be a force for good, not a force for um, discord. And uh, it's hard to do that when you talk about political things because you have to give an opinion and you have to give analysis. And even as passionate as we are about our sports uh, opinions and analysis, uh, wow, it's ratcheted up to the nth degree when you talk about current events. All right, so the Cincinnati Bengals have uh, the fifth or sixth pick in the draft. And everybody's writing that they're going to get Panay Sewell, tackle out of Oregon. Man, I'd have to, like, really think about it. If uh, Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida, was there, or if Devontae Smith, the wide receiver from Alabama, was there. Or maybe even Jalen Waddell. There are people who think this would be a good way to segue into Ohio State and Alabama. There are people who, before the year started, thought Jalen Waddell was definitely the higher-rated NFL prospect. Now, as for Jalen Waddell, broke his leg, broke his ankle, broke his ankle, October 24th in the Tennessee game. Was that a, a Thursday night game or something? I thought it was in my head that Ohio State started on October the 26th. Maybe they started on the 24th. So he broke his ankle on the day that Ohio State started the season, essentially. So he's had all this time that the Buckeyes have been playing and not playing, sitting out against Maryland and uh, Michigan and whoever else. Uh to recover, and I've seen him on the sidelines in a boot, and I saw him last week, and he looked like he was moving pretty well. Now, Jalen Waddell, All-American punt returner, and before the season at least, thought of as Alabama's top wide receiver, is cleared to play in the national title game. Doesn't mean he will play, because of course Waddle can say, nope, not playing, I can opt out. Uh, or Bama could just say he's cleared to make Ohio State come up with a bunch of ways to cover Waddle and Devonta Smith, and then it's only Devonta Smith. I'm not, if I was Alabama, if I was any team, I would use that uncertainty as much as I could to my advantage. Okay, <clears throat> if he's out there and he's healthy, well, that makes Ohio State's task much more difficult, no doubt about it. Even though Mechie and some of their other receivers are good, they're not Jalen Waddle. Devonta Smith is amazing. And Ohio State has to have a plan for Devonta Smith. But one plan that Ohio State can have for Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddell together is to put pressure on Mac Jones. And that is, to me, the number one key for Ohio State on Monday night. Mac Jones is not Trevor Lawrence, and I don't mean as a passer. I mean as a runner. Trevor Lawrence could at least move a little bit in the pocket. Mac Jones not really skilled at that. But Mac Jones' completion percentage is in the high 70s, 77% of his passes. Now, you don't throw it 40 yards down the field every time if your completion percentage is 77%. But you don't need to at Alabama when you got guys who can run after catch like Devonta Smith and if he's healthy, Jalen Waddell. So that, to me, is the number one key for Ohio State. They've got to get pressure on Mac Jones. But Alabama's not dumb. They don't put Mac Jones back there in a seven-step drop very often either. So if Bama can protect Mac Jones, I think it's really a difficult it, – it, it increases the difficulty of Ohio State winning the game because you just assume that <clears throat> teams in the SEC have NFL talent and they score 50 on everybody. And while Ohio State can do that too, there's no doubt in my mind they can do that, this, you know, Captain Obvious observation here. This is why you get this great analysis. It's easier to beat a team when they don't score 50. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Uh, now, 
Okay, so the number one thing Ohio State has to do is pressure Mac Jones. What's the number one thing Alabama has to do to win this game? Well, I think the number one thing Alabama has to do is keep Justin Fields in the pocket. And that doesn't guarantee them anything, though, because if Justin Fields is in the pocket and he's comfortable, he can still cut you to pieces. Just ask Clemson. Uh, So, you know, Fields didn't run a ton against Clemson. He didn't have to. But I would say maybe a a better way to convey my thought on what Alabama has to do to win the game is they have to limit Ohio State's rushing yards, whether it's Justin Fields scrambling or design runs or whether it's Trey Sermon. And that's not easy to do because Ohio State's offensive line is phenomenal. Bama's offensive line won an award this week as the best offensive line in the country. And when I saw that, I thought, well, that's to Ohio State's advantage because Ohio State does a great job, a great, great, great job of magnifying perceived slights into elite motivation. Uh, The Dabo thing, ranking him 11th, was just tailor-made for Ohio State. Uh, the Bama offensive line being the number one offensive line in the country is tailor-made for Ohio State. Alex Leatherwood, the Bama tackle, saying, you know, he said great things about Ohio State, but he also ended it with, and I don't think he meant this, but it's on paper, and so it's going to be on the bulletin board, and it's going to be on Ohio State's minds, and it's going to be used as motivation, and it's not going to help Bama one little bit, that Alex Leatherwood said, we'll see if they want to play football. Well, yeah, they want to play football, and they play really well, Alex, and you may find that out on Monday night. So Ohio State's offensive line, Bama's offensive line, both elite. Bama's offensive lines without their starting center, Landon Dickerson. Hurt his uh, knee late in the SEC championship win over Florida. Big factor in this game. Steve Sarkeesian being the new head coach at Texas, I think. May not hurt Bama a bit, but it can't help them. It cannot help them. There's no way Sark coaches harder because he's the coach at Texas and he knows that this is an opportunity for him to show Texas recruits, hey, no reason to go to Ohio State. Future little J.K. Dobbins, future little Baron Browning, future little J.T. Barrett, future little Garrett Wilson. Those are all guys Ohio State's gotten out of the state of Texas. Uh, Sark wants to keep those guys at home at Texas, but he can't coach any harder in this game. But could he be distracted? Mm-hmm. Yeah, could be. Could he take time away from what he would normally be doing at Bama if he weren't the coach at Texas? that might not have Bama in quite as good a position for Monday night? Yeah, could happen. I don't know that it will. So those are all things on my mind as I look at Ohio State and Alabama. And uh, we'll get into one other thing. After I remind you that Hemisphere Coffee Roasters is the official coffee of this podcast, and I have realized as I have started a new radio show and have uh, started – uh, a new role with my friend Sonny Folks at PressProsMagazine.com, both of which uh, compel me to engage with advertisers. And I realize that what I really like doing and what I will, what I restrict myself to doing is I only deal with people and represent people that I really believe in and like. So that's true of everybody you hear me talk about. The thing you know is if I represent them on the radio, if I represent them on this show – Uh, or or anywhere else, they're really good people. You won't have to worry about their product not being excellent or their mission not being excellent. So that's one of the reasons I really enjoy Hemisphere. I think it's awesome that they buy their coffee from around the world, give you access to that coffee. 
but it's more awesome to me uh, that they help people in other countries. They, their motto is they shake the hand of the coffee farmer. So they don't just buy coffee from Indonesia. They don't just buy coffee from Thailand. They have a grower, and they support that grower, and they know that grower personally. Paul knows uh, Diego, I think, is his grower in Nicaragua. And he talks about Diego, and they're friends, and they're, that's the relational thing that I love. <clears throat> we need more of that in America, by the way, uh, the relational stuff. <clears throat> so Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, I'll give you 15% off when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. Um, many repeat customers, and um, we appreciate that. Hopefully you benefit, they benefit, and yeah, I benefit uh, because uh, trying to make a little uh, money here uh, in the uh, capitalist one man in a basement podcast. Uh, okay, what intrigues me most about Ohio State and Alabama on Monday night is not Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner. And by the way, I'll give you my Heisman Trophy ballot momentarily. It's not the matchup of the lines, Ohio State's defensive line against Alabama's offensive line, and vice versa. Uh, it's the matchup of Ryan Day and Nick Saban. And I don't mean like Ryan Day's team and Nick Saban's team. Bama's defense is Nick Saban's baby. Ohio State's offense is Ryan Day's baby. These two guys are amazingly brilliant at what they do, at their specialties. And it's going to be really intriguing because they both have a lot of pieces. field is flooded with NFL talent. This game has, in my mind, the potential to be another Texas-USC. The legendary game at the LA, at the Rose Bowl where Vince Young scored late and where Texas stopped Lendale White on fourth down. I think Texas was down two scores Five minutes to go. Won the game. Either team could do that Monday night. Either team. I think this is going to be a rare game where you're approaching it with such anticipation, and if you win it, it's this height of exaltation, and if you lose it, it's crushing, soul-crushing. Because there'll be so many different... It's like the Clemson game last year. That doesn't have the... <clears throat> the status as a great game in Ohio State history because Ohio State didn't win the game. But it was a great, great, great football game with so many things we talk about. And I don't, I'm talking about the, the fumble, scoop fumble, overrule. I'm talking about plays we don't even think about. But if you rewatch that game, you're like, wow, I forgot K.J. Hill dropped a touchdown pass. Wow, I forgot how close Baron Browning was to Trevor Lawrence on his long run. Wow, I forget Josh Proctor got deked on that play. Wow, I forgot that, you know, J.K. Dobbins – got pulled down from uh, just so many close plays and it's not a fault of Josh Proctor it's not a fault of J.K. Dobbins it's not a fault of it's like the other guy's really good too and he happened to make a play there you know Olave made a tremendous play to catch a touchdown pass and then at the end of the game he he tries to do something that he thinks is going to benefit his team and he and Justin Fields are just on different mental wavelengths and we forget Olave made a tremendous play on a fourth down and Justin Fields made a tremendous throw on a fourth down, fourth and inches, and they throw a 20-some-yard touchdown pass to take the lead in that game in the fourth quarter. So This game has that kind of elite athleticism, and then when you pair it with two amazing coaches, it's just so crazily off the chart. 
to think about what we could be in for on um, on Monday night. Uh, here is uh, Jared with a question on Facebook. He says, in a lot of my conversations, the theme seems to come around to the idea that if the Buckeyes can limit big plays, they win the game, agree or disagree. Yeah, I sure think that helps, uh, Jared. I um, would say that Bama, if they have Waddle, then you have to guard against Waddle, Smith, and Najee Harris. I haven't even talked about Najee Harris. Najee Harris is a stud. Najee Harris was on my Heisman ballot. He didn't. He finished fifth, I think. My Heisman ballot was Devonta Smith one, Trevor Lawrence two, and Najee Harris three. My Heisman ballot did not include Mac Jones, and it did not include Kyle Trask, because I think Mac Jones is good. But Mac Jones is good because he can hand the ball to Najee Harris and because he's got Devontae Smith and for four games, Jalen Waddle. And by the way, in those four games that Jalen Waddle played, he had more than five catches and more than 120 receiving yards in each one of the games. That's Those are Heisman numbers if he had been able to play as long as his teammate, uh, Devontae Smith. The chess match of Ryan Day and Nick Saban, where will that play out? One place you can look at is the success of Chris Olave and the success of Devontae Smith. Because Bama has a corner, Patrick Sertain, whose father played in the NFL. Patrick Sertain, 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 whatever, tomato, tomato, is highly, highly, highly rated by Todd McShay and will be a first-round pick. Sean Wade, highly, highly, highly rated, will be a first-round pick. Ohio State would ideally like to have Sean Wade on Devonta Smith, and Bama would ideally like to have Patrick Sertan, Sertain on Chris Olave. But that's where Nick Saban and Ryan Day will thrust Perry, duel, try to figure out, ah, I'm going to put him here. Well, I'm going to put my guy here. I've never seen that on film. Yeah, I know. We birthed it for this game only. So how much of that is going on? And that's a key thing to watch is if Devontae Smith's not making an impact, it's probably because Ohio State has Sean Wade on him. And they're moving Sean Wade around. Devontae Smith is making an impact. It's probably because they've got him isolated on corners that aren't Sean Wade. Similarly with Chris Olave, although Garrett Wilson can hurt you big time, and Bama knows that. So a lot to watch and uh, a lot to take note of. Um, I want to remind you that... uh, On my radio show, on Friday nights at 6 o'clock, we do a segment called Ask the Attorney. You can send questions to me about that, too. I ask my radio show to send them to Bruce at 9890Answer. You can send them to Bruce at 9890Answer or SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com. If you have a question for an attorney and you don't want to call an attorney because you don't want to pay an attorney, it's an opportunity to ask a question of an attorney free. And uh, Willis Spangler Starling is the attorney firm that I use personally. For everything, wills, estate planning, all everything, everything, because I trust them. Because yeah, I go to church with a couple of the partners, and attorneys can uh, do things that are legal but not ethical. I don't want an attorney like that. I don't have an attorney like that. I have Willis Spangler Starling because I know that they view their lives and their expertise and their professional duties the same as I do. And that is, I don't want to do anything that disgraces my faith with how I do what I do and what I do. 
So for me, that's a game changer in that I can rely on them to do things that I never have to worry about being shady. And I never have to worry about their expertise not being 100% at the top of the legal food chain. They're on it. Smart, smart, smart people. They view what they do as a way to serve, as we all should view what we do, what gifts God's given us as a way to serve. So find them online at willisattorneys.com, W-I-L-L-I-S, attorneys.com. And uh, their offices are on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard. I advise you to go to their website, read their mission statement at the end. And if you're not completely blown away by their mission statement, then, well, you have different values than I do. Because when I read their mission statement, I was like, yep, that's exactly what I know these folks to be. Willis Spangler Starling, willisattorneys.com. Okay, I will make a prediction for Monday night's game on my next podcast. Maybe Saturday, maybe Monday. Look on Facebook. You'll get a notification I'm going to broadcast. And by the way, shout out to my friend Steve who said, hey, are you still doing the podcast? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, I used to get a notification you were doing a podcast because we used to do it tandem on StreamYard. I just thought, Nobody wants to watch me on StreamYard. But that's how you get a notification ahead of time. So I'll keep doing it on StreamYard and probably with a hat on so you don't see my morning hair. (laughs) Okay, uh, let's move to the one other big headline, and that is Urban Meyer and his pursuit by NFL teams. Jacksonville Jaguars and the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Either way, Urban will have a franchise quarterback. Pretty much that's the oddity of the NFL openings this year, is that everybody has a franchise QB to offer. Whether you know the Lions want to stick with Matt Stafford or not, it's probably up and up to the new GM and the new head coach, whoever Spiels and uh, the other people in the front office hire. In uh, L.A., you'd have Justin Herbert, who just broke Baker Mayfield's rookie touchdown passing record. And in Jacksonville, he'd presumably have Trevor Lawrence, although Urban could go off the... Uh, he could go off the grid um, and against the grain and pick Justin Fields. So will do I think Urban will be an NFL head coach next season? I haven't really thought about that, so I'm giving myself all of about two seconds because more than two seconds of silence is killer on a podcast. Is Urban going to be a head coach next season? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say I'll be, I'll be mildly surprised if he is, because I just think, you know, it's, we all want to be wanted. We all love to be courted. We all love to be flattered. It's intoxicating to be offered millions of dollars. But in the end, I don't think uh, he will have a complete peace with it because of whatever, his health, his family, his life in Columbus is pretty good. His life on Fox is pretty good. And I think Fox juiced his contract. I think they signed him to a six-year extension recently. That's not been out, but I've Got people at Fox that tell me that. So I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. Do I think he'd be successful? Yeah. Why wouldn't he be? The guy's a winner. Uh, do I think he'd coach for a decade? No. But it all depends on how he feels, what his family tells him, and how motivated he is to try to make a difference at football at the highest level. A lot of things in the NFL you don't have to worry about that you have to worry about in college. 
Nobody's going to get on Urban's case if a couple of his players are knuckleheads off the field in the NFL, but they're all over your case in college if that's the case. So uh, I'd love to see it because I'm intrigued and I think football's better with Urban in it. But would I? do I expect him to say yes? No, I really don't. I really don't. Now, I had an interesting conversation yesterday, and then we'll transition into the faith portion of the podcast. An interesting conversation yesterday with Chrissy from AUI. You know, Chrissy and AUI are health insurance brokers. They're a lot more than that. Open enrollment ended December the 15th, so you think, well, I'm stuck with my insurance. I meant to look at it, evaluate it, and I didn't, so I'll have to wait till next December the 15th. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. If you move your residence, your residence, not your job, your residence from one county to another, you can get different health insurance. If you change jobs, if you're on a health plan at work and that and you lose that health insurance, you change jobs or they just cancel you or whatever, then you are able to get new individual health care insurance. Uh, from, I think it's healthcare.gov, but at any rate, Chrissy and the AUI team can help you with that. They can do it on a chat online, auiinfo.com, or Zoom, or in person, whatever you want. Now, what I really want to stress here is a lot of people who listen to this podcast are business owners, or a lot of people who listen to this podcast are businesses. You're a realtor, you're a plumber, you're a consultant, you're an accountant, you're an electrician, and you're in business for yourself. You think you're an individual. You are. You're a lone wolf, you know, swimming against the tide, busier than a one-armed paper hanger. But the government looks at you as a business, as a group of one. It's called a group of one. I never heard of that before I talked to Chrissy and Julie and the people at AUI. So business people, and this is obviously if you're like own a business and you have people working for you, well, you're a business. You can change anytime. You're in a group of one. You can change anytime. You're owning a business, you can change any time. And I didn't know this, but AUI can fix you up with health, dental, vision, disability. All the coverages you want. Now, the one thing they offer that other people don't is they also offer HR, insight, counseling, compliance, advice, all this stuff, and no extra cost. No extra cost. And you say, well, what is the cost? Well, there's no extra cost, period, when you deal with AUI because... Health insurance companies pay consultants like AUI Info to acquire new accounts. But I want to stress this. AUI is not incentivized to put you with, say, Blue Cross Blue Shield. Are they even exist anymore? I don't know. Uh, Aetna. They're not incentivized by one company more than another. So it's not like you go to AUI, you go, well, they're not going to offer me the best deal because they're going to get X from this company. That's not the way it works. It's not the way it works. They're great people. I just said in the beginning, I don't deal with people who are knuckleheads, and I don't deal with people who are dishonest, and I deal with really good people who give you added value and love what they do and work hard at what they do and are intrigued by what they do and want to serve you. That is auiinfo.com. That is auiinfo.com. Okay. Faith portion of the podcast. Quite a day for it, eh? It is January the 7th, and yesterday afternoon, scenes played out on our television from our nation's capital that were not anything I ever thought I'd see in the United States of America. Okay, when Chris and I did this podcast 
Um, there were times we got political, and then we realized that in this rancorous time with the presidential election year, we needed to be um, disengaged uh, from that openly <clears throat> because I didn't want to put Chris in a jackpot with Fox. I know how cancel culture works. I don't fear it on the radio. I don't fear it here. You can't cancel the podcast, I, at least not yet. Uh, but I never wanted to put Chris in that position, and so we pretty much kept it to faith in sports. And I'm going to continue to do that. If you want to hear my political takes, there's a radio show and a platform for that. But in an instance like what happened yesterday, it's hard to completely separate the two. So here's gonna here's what I'm going to say. I've thought a lot about this. I've prayed about this. I was really depressed with what I saw in Washington yesterday. Really depressed because that's not that's not a an appropriate response. I condemn that violence storming the Capitol. I feel horrible for the woman who lost her life. I guess four people lost their life. Um, what I'm struck by as I hear people talk about it who were there, and as I ponder it and try to put it and view it through a spiritual prism is that it came a day after I watched the funeral memorial service of Andre Hill. Andre Hill's a 47-year-old African-American man who was shot by a Columbus police officer who's now an ex-Columbus police officer because he lost his job. And uh, Reverend Al Sharpton gave the eulogy and Benjamin Crump, an attorney who gravitates to a lot of these cases involving black Americans who are um, um, engaged in uh, violent results with police. And, you know, the black community is really hurting, and the black community, BLM and all this stuff, there's all kinds of uh, accusations flying. And and Mr. Hill, um, Andre Hill, I just feel horrible for his family. And uh, I, I don't feel good that Andre Hill gets lumped in with a lot of other people like Jacob Blake, because I think Andre Hill, um, circumstances are totally different, and um, and he deserves individual, and his family deserves individual attention and comfort. I got off track there a bit, sorry. Um, <clears throat> but the, the reason I delved into that is because what happened yesterday in Washington and the uh, emotions and accusations and viewpoints expressed at Andre Hill's uh, services are really not that different. They come from different sides of the aisle, but they basically all boil down to people want to be heard. People feel ignored, disrespected, um, taken advantage of, and they want to be heard. And um, so, so what is that? How do I view that through a spiritual prism? Um, what spiritual values uh, would help people feel like they matter, that they are heard? I think compassion. I think kindness. I think love. Um, and so, you know, it comes back. It's really interesting to me how it all comes back to a couple of verses that Chris and I have focused on throughout our two years doing this podcast— 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14. Stand firm in the faith. I knew I'd blow this live. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. 
19 words, five short sentences. That is for, and this is, I'm talking, if you're listening to the faith portion of the podcast, I assume you have a faith or you want to have a faith. We have a tremendous opportunity in our country right now to be compassionate, to be healers, to be leaders, to be comforters. And yes, to speak truth, spiritual truth. So that can be a challenge. That can be a challenge. And we may be headed for a time where um, speaking truth on societal issues will not will not have as much room to do that as we've had in the past. I think the the thing that I regret and really fear from yesterday's horrible storming of the Capitol is that those actions will be used to um, make inroads and limit the First Amendment. And the reason why that bothers me is not as much because it might silence certain political speech. The reason why that bothers me is because I don't want it to restrict pastors speaking biblical truth from the pulpit, and I could see where that could happen. Joe Biden's going to be our next president, and uh, we have a now Democratic Senate, essentially. It's controlled by uh, the tie-breaking vote as the vice president, Kamala Harris, vice president-elect. And we have a Democratic House. So there is really not much of a roadblock against the Democratic agenda now, uh, as was the case when President Trump was elected in 2016, as was the case when Barack Obama was elected in 2008, I believe. 12, yeah, 2008. Okay, what do, what do we know from that? There's a tendency to go, oh my goodness, our world's ending, depending on your side of the aisle. Well, we're still here. <laughs> we're still here. And my guess is we'll still be here uh, unless the Lord returns in two years. So how do we function as Christians in this environment? Well, we just, what I just said, be on our guard. We stand firm in the faith. We be men of men and women of courage. We, be, we are strong and we do everything in love. We can speak the truth in love. Okay. My hope for Joe Biden is that he has people around him like President Trump had around him who are first and foremost servants of God in the Trump administration. And I'm not saying Donald Trump was. It pained me every time I heard Donald Trump say that he, I don't know what I need to be forgiven for. I've never asked for forgiveness. Dude, everybody has to be asked for forgiveness, and everybody has forgiveness available to them through Christ's sacrifice at the cross. So I used to pray for Donald Trump that people like Ben Carson, Mike Pompeo, Kaylee McEnany, who are front and center open Christians, that the way they lived their lives and the way they ordered their lives would make an impact on Donald Trump. I hope it did. I've not seen evidence of that. Similarly, with uh, soon-to-be President Biden, I hope, I don't know his cabinet yet, I hope there are people who are devoted to the faith. And I don't mean just label themselves as Christians. 
but genuinely line up their faith position, their positions on issues with their faith. I hope that's the case. Okay. So I have friends, including one very dear friend, who are uh, dramatically different politically than I am. Okay. I have, I think I've told you that I've lost some friends during this political season. Most often when I lose a friend, it is over someone who is uh, a different political persuasion <clears throat> who I engage on the topic of abortion and question how can you vote for certain candidates based upon their views on killing children in the womb. So uh, here's a text that I received from a friend of mine who is an avowed Democrat, but he's a dear, dear friend. And I've engaged him on abortion, and he admits it bothers him. Um, I don't see there's any point in really going into it in detail, but I'm sure this was a group text that he sent to many people. And it is celebrating the election of Georgia Senators John Ossoff uh, and Raphael Warnock. And he's celebrating it along the lines that John Ossoff is Jewish and that Raphael Warnock is an African-American pastor from the same church as Martin Luther King. Okay, so I received the text yesterday, and um, I was hoping both those gentlemen would lose their uh, Senate elections. They won. And that tips the balance of power completely to the Democratic Party. And I have a fear that that will restrict speech from the pulpit, and I have a fear that it will mean bad things for the pro-life movement. But I just chose to ignore the text and not respond to the text um, because I didn't think I could respond to the text in love. I'm trying to hold to that, stand firm in the faith, do everything in love. There'll be a time when I can um, address it, but sometimes uh, the most, most loving response is to pause, ponder, and pray. To pause, ponder, and pray. If speech from the pulpit is restricted, if in the next year or two, three, four, that doesn't mean that we cannot serve the Great Commission to bring disciples in from everywhere, from our communities, from our work, from our friendships, all that. It just might mean that we're really close to the fulfillment of things that Jesus said all the time. And we don't tend to want to look at it and say, okay, I know this is coming. Jesus talked about persecution a lot. If you've read the Gospels, one of the things that I've always been frustrated with in the Gospels is, man, those disciples were sure thick-headed. How many times did Jesus say, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to rise on the third day, and it went like right over their head. Like they had no, like, huh? And he told them time after time after time, well, well, it's easy to bang on him for that. But he also says, you will have persecution. That is how you'll identify with me. It is to your good, your glory, that you will have persecution. Peter says we're aliens and strangers in this world. Paul says we live in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. 
So I have to t- discipline myself not to get like, what's wrong with you disciples? He said he was going to get crucified. How did you miss that? Because I don't want to be the guy who misses like the forecast that, hey, bud, persecution's coming. And that doesn't let you off the hook of being a disciple. It just may give you a different venue. Like, for instance, the church around the world grows exponentially from people's homes, from private conversations. The American church has gotten really comfortable over the years. And you know what? Comfort is like this close to lazy. And so it's gotten lazy, I think. And so just because something may happen that's unpleasant, it doesn't mean that it's not God's will, and it doesn't mean that it's not God's plan, and it doesn't mean that he can't prosper you in the midst of it for his kingdom. So those are the things that I try to uh, motivate myself with, not comfort myself with, not console myself with. Oh, there's an element of both in there. But those are the things that I try to motivate myself with in that if you're, if you're on the GOP side and you're like, wow, they stole this election, do you think God didn't know how this election was going to end? Do you think God didn't know how this Georgia runoff was going to end? Do you think anything catches God by surprise? Well, if you do, then you don't believe in the same God that I do, who's omnipresent everywhere, omniscient, omnipotent, all-powerful, okay? So that's where I land in this rancorous time in our country. As much as is possible, live at peace with all men. That's the Apostle Paul. And as is 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be strong. Be men of courage. Do everything in love. Um, one more text. Jared says, sacrificial love. We need to stop focusing on the us and them and start being ambassador of change in a world that begins focusing on the we. Yeah, Absolutely. So thank you to everybody who watched on Facebook. Thank you to everyone who um, continues to watch and support the podcast. I appreciate it very much. Uh, I hope it is strengthening to you. Uh, I'm flattered that you uh, give it your time and your attention. And I invite you to evaluate it, review it at uh, iTunes. Tell your friends about it. Patronize the sponsors, auinfo.com, hemispherecoffeeroasters.com. Willis Spangler Starling online at willisattorneys.com. I'll post a Facebook notification when the next podcast happens sometime this weekend, most likely, or in advance of Monday night's national championship game. Until then, uh, be well and God bless.